0: what are we talking about we're talking about live like jesus that's our series that we're in Uh, we've been in for a few weeks now and um, we're talking about the aged apostle john he's ninety plus years old And uh, he's written a good portion of the New Testament. When we think of the New Testament and uh, who's written a lot of it, we think immediately of Paul because he's written a lot of the New Testament as well. But there are about 270 or so odd uh, chapters in the New Testament. Does anybody know how many about John is written? Remember? Anybody? No? About 50? Thank you. 50. All right. Somebody was paying attention previously. (laughs) Yeah, about 50 chapters John has written, and so he's got great influence here uh, in the New Testament, this Apostle John, and we're, we're in chapter 3 uh, from last week, and we've gone through verses probably 1 through 9. We're doing sort of a semi-exegetical study, maybe a verse-by-verse study of the book of 1 John, and what we've seen so far is that John has been pretty upfront with us uh, about renouncing sin in these first nine, chapter, in these first nine verses of, of chapter 3. He's been pretty in our face about this thing, okay? He's talked about walking in the light, he's talked about how much God loves us, and then he got right up in our face, remember last week, about renouncing sin and not walking in sin, about living in the light, confessing your sin. He says, if you know Christ, you live in righteousness. And listen, he says this very clearly. There's no misunderstanding about what John is saying here about walking in righteousness and renouncing sin. Okay, there's no misunderstanding here. Now, remember, he starts this chapter by saying, Behold. In other words, look, hey, let me have your attention because I'm about to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. So that's how he starts the chapter. And then he says, what manner of love is this that God has for us? It's been the prophetic word this morning. We heard it twice about the love that God has for us, right? It's that agape love. And I think we talked about that last week pretty in depth. This is that love that you cannot run from. God says in the Psalms that he has set his love upon you. He set his love upon me. And we cannot run from the love of God. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. God loves you unconditionally. You can try to get out of it. You can run. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, there your right hand is to hold me. So you can't run from that agape love. He talks about this unconditional love. Then he moves and verse 4 to about verse 9, to this subject of sin. And if you were to circle the word sin in these verses, you would see that John mentions it quite a few times. He talks about sin. Come on now. He quite a few times. And the idea here is that you won't continue in sin. John says some pretty harsh things to us here when he talks about sin. he says, listen, if you are in sin, then you're not following Christ at all. What you're doing is you're following the devil. Then he's even so bold as to say, the devil is your father. Come on, that's pretty in your face about some things, right? I mean, I'm a person that feels like, well, you know, I fall short every once in a while. And what are you saying? The devil is my father. Here's what he's talking about. The idea here that John is trying to get across to us is that not that you will never fall, and it's not an excuse to commit sin now, but it's not that you will never come short. But what he's saying is that you will not continue a lifestyle of sin. Now that you have the knowledge, now that you have a revelation of what righteousness is, Now that you have a revelation about what you should be doing and how you should be walking, now you will take a stand like Dr. Lee did and you'll say, listen, I'm not going to walk this way anymore. I'm convicted about some things. And so that's what I'm going to confess. You say, I'm not going to walk in this way anymore. I'm going to walk in the light. I choose to walk in the love of God. And so you won't continue in sin. You won't just blow it off and say, oh, well, you know, that's just how it is. No big deal because I know God will forgive me. That's not what John is saying. He's saying you don't continue in it. In fact, do me a favor. Leave a marker there in First John chapter 3 and uh, turn over to Romans very briefly. Romans chapter 6. Let me read you what Paul says about this idea about not continuing in sin. Romans chapter 6, if you can get there real quickly, just look at the first few verses here. Look at what Paul tells the Romans. He says this, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, we know that God gives us grace. We know his grace is uh, unending We know his mercies are new every morning and there is no end to him. So then shall we continue in sin in order to prove God's grace? Look at what he says. He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? What is he saying? He's saying, listen, you died to that sin. You no longer have to walk in that sin. And so you realize, well, listen, I realize I have an attitude, an issue. Uh, Well, I don't want to walk in that any longer. I just can't say that's the way that I am. You know, I'm doing some things I shouldn't be doing. Well, guess what? There is hope. We have an advocate with the father, but you've got to come to the realization like the prodigal son and say, look. I've come to myself, and I realize I've been in this thing far too long. I'm going to get up and go back to my father. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long it's lasted. God says, seek my face while I may be found. And we, we, we can't give excuses anymore. We can't just say, well, that's just the Irish in me, or, you know, that's just the way our African-American culture is, and we just do it that way. You know, it's the Italian in me, or that's my German root. You can't give excuses like that anymore. Why? Because if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, here's that word, behold. I'm about to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. All things have become new. You are a new creature. And you no longer have to be bound by the bondages and the yokes and the strongholds that the enemy and your flesh have put on you. In fact, I'm going to ask you to be bold this morning. I'm going to ask you to be bold. How many here... And I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand. How many here have been delivered from something, and it doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs, maybe an attitude or anything else, something that you knew you couldn't get out of yourself, and God has taken you out of that thing, God has delivered you? Now, keep your hands up. Everybody, look around. Just look around at everyone, even those who don't have their hands raised. Look around. This is the power of Jesus Christ. This is what God does. This is his power. Come on. God delivers. We heard the word this morning. He is a deliverer. And I want to tell you something. God doesn't want to see you in sin, but he loves to deliver you from it. Come on. He loves. I love the way Pastor Lou used to explain it. He, he used to say that God loves coming over the hill, right, like the, like the army with the flag and the banner up at the last minute with the trumpet saying, here I come to save the day. I know you're tied up on the railroad track, but guess what? I'm coming over the hill with six white horses to save the day and snatch you out of death. Come on, that's the God that you serve. That's the power of Jesus Christ. His love is shed so abroad in your heart so that you can love like God loved. You can live life You can love life. You can love yourself. Listen, they are making movies about things that the Lord has told us from the beginning. Eat, pray, and love. God's told us that from Genesis. When he first created us, when he created Adam and then Eve, he put them in the garden and said, everything here belongs to you except the fruit of this one tree. But it's all yours. Guess what? Eat. Come on. And then he said, I'm here with you at all times. I dwell with you. My spirit walks through the garden to commune with you at all times. You can talk to me and I'll talk to you. Pray. And then he said, Look, I've given you a companion. And it's not just Phileo here. I'm talking about a little Eros. Some know what I'm talking about. Love. And I want you to love all people, I want you to love my creation. So God has given us these things, and he's empowered us to eat, pray, and love. Come on. We ought to be loving life no matter what happens. I mean, we've been through some things lately that you would just say, good Lord. I mean, you know, this door is shut, and that thing happened, and then that other thing happened on top of that, and, you know, all in the matter of a few days, and in the midst of all of that, I'm saying God is good. He's still on the throne. Come on. He's still on the throne. He still loves me. And his love is still set upon me. Now listen, I'm telling you these things for a reason, that God has an agape love, a love that's unconditional, a love that you, don't, you can't earn. There's nothing you can do to get it, and there's nothing you can do to give it away. All right? And when we hear that, we should think, oh my goodness, I can't, what manner of love is this? We should be amazed like Mary was when the angel came to her and said, yes, you're a virgin. And guess what? You're going to have a son. Oh, that's amazing. Not just any son. I'm talking about the Lord of all creation. Whoa, what manner of saying is this? That's That's how we react when we hear about the agape love that God has placed on us, right? All right, I'm saying this for a reason now. Keep that in your mind, that agape love that God has for you. Now, if you're free, then you're free to love perfectly. And this is the message today, very briefly. Perfect love for an imperfect people. Perfect love for an imperfect people. And you are free this morning. Because in Corinthians, Paul told them, he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, what? There is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. You are free to love. Look at John chapter 3 beginning at verse 10. I'm going to read throughout the rest of the chapter. but Just follow along here. I'm reading from the New King James Version. If you have a different version, we'll end up at the same place together. All right. Verse 10 says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Come on. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. We are commanded to love one another. Back in John, he wrote the Gospel of John. Back in John 15, he said this. He said, a new commandment I give to you. Jesus was speaking. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Now, this This word love here, when he says, I command you to love one another, this is that same Greek word that he said when he said, Behold, what manner of love is this? Agape. God has commanded you and I to agape each other. Now you say, oh, great, you know, amen, yes, you know, I love my brother, Do you remember what we talked about when we talked about agape? Do you remember how God said, if you make your bed in hell, I will be there for you? Do you remember how he said, if you take the wings of the morning and flee, my right hand will come to get you? Remember how he talked about, listen, my love is unconditional. I have set it upon you. Even if you offend me, I still love you. Do you remember these things? This is how God loves us. And now he has commanded us to love one another in that same way. I got to say, behold, what manner of love is this? Come on now, we've done a good job of phileo. That's that Philadelphia. That's that brotherly love. City of brotherly love. Come on. We've given each other some pretty good brotherly love. But now in John here, and God is challenging us to take it to another level, saints. He's challenging us to take this thing to the next step. Not just love one another, but agape one another. Agape one another. Now, how many knows you can't do? You, how many know you cannot do that in your own power, in your own strength? Come on, now! If you're anything like me, I get offended sometimes. I get hurt sometimes. I get disappointed sometimes. I disappoint people sometimes. Come on, we do that. We're human beings, and so it's difficult to agape each other in our own power. In fact, we can't do it. We need the love of God shed abroad in our hearts like Dr. Lee said for it to come from here and then to go out this way because if it starts from here it's going to be a short trip come on if it starts from here listen it's going to be a short trip but if it starts here comes through our heart and goes out it's never ending that agape love is never ending but the thing is how do we do this what does it look like Come on now, John here to us, I mean, he's, he's, like my mother used to say, he's right on Front Street. Come on, he then came down college, made a left on the bypass, it came right up to Front Street. He's right in your face about this thing, and it's a practical thing. There's a way we can do it. It's not about us floating through the air, being filled with the Spirit. We need the Spirit of God in us, but it's practical, and it has to look like something to each other. So very briefly, I want to give you some ways that we love one another. You might want to jot these down. See, loving one another like Jesus has loved us, that is the challenge, folks. It's the challenge. First of all, we have to do this. We have to honor one another. It begins with honor. To honor is to show an unusual respect, a high regard, and a high value for someone else. Honoring another person means that you put a high value on them and you, you show them that high value by pay attention, paying attention when they speak. Come on. By listening, by hearing, instead of just listening. By being concerned genuinely about their needs and treating them as precious, we must honor one another. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another King James says giving preference to the brethren preferring the brethren come on Philippians 2 3 do nothing from rivalry or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves it's not easy to do easy to say come on we get a lot of amens on that but it's easy to say but when the rubber meets the road and it comes time to doing it it's not so easy Why? Because we try to do it out of our own strength. We can't do it. We have to seek God. Lord, help me. Help me to love others the way that you love me. Not in my own way. Number two, we have to encourage one another. That means vocally, out of our mouth, we must encourage. You can't just say, well, I know that she loves me, or, you know, they know that I love them. What's up? Yeah, good job. No, it has to come out of our mouth. We have to show support. We have to be there. Encouragement carries the idea of one person joining another person on a journey and speaking words that persuade the traveler to keep pressing forward. Don't quit. Don't give up. You can do it. I'm in your corner. What do you need from me? We have to be able to encourage one another. Encouragement is not a commitment to share ourselves, but rather to share of the Lord by ministry to others' needs. It's sharing the God in us with others. Come on. Number three, share with one another. We read it in John. He said, if you're a person of means and you close up your heart, how are you following God? How do you call yourself a disciple of God when you're doing the opposite of what he's teaching? Come on. You're doing the very opposite of what Jesus came to instill in us, yet you call yourself a disciple. John says, that ain't right. Come on. In fact, if you go back to chapter 1, he just flat out says, you're a liar. Now, I'm not saying that. That's John. Go back and read it. He said, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. That's John. But we must share. To share is to willingly and liberally give what you have with anyone, not just those you choose that you like. That's the challenge. I have certain people that I like, and I just do anything for them. You know, some of my best friends, I do anything for them. This one over here, uh, not so much. You know, listen, you just got to, you're going to have to mature a little bit. You got to go through some things. No, if you give it to this one, you have to be the same with that one. John saying it. Come on. 1 Timothy 6.18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works. We are rich in good works, folks. We are, there should be an endless amount of good works coming from this congregation, coming from the body of Christ. Come on. Just an endless amount of good works. Not looking for... It's the problem. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity... And we know we just can't get up in the morning start doing good works until we go to bed at night. Come on, we have to go to work. We have to, you know, take care of ourselves with diet and exercise and go, you know, do these things. But when we have the opportunity, come on, we should be generous and ready to share. Be prepared at all times. Number four is to serve one another. We must serve one another. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. A servant heart is a heart filled with the grace of Christ that is being shaped and transformed into feeling what Christ feels and what he's thinking. We need to think like Christ thinks. One who puts others' needs, their aspirations, their interests before our own. The foremost characteristics of the life of Jesus was and is in his service. We are most like Jesus when we are serving rather than being served. Come on. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. Don't be jealous of Dr. Lee. You can be just as great because you can serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree serve you only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love everyone can be great in Mark 10 43 said whoever wants to be great must become a servant you see Jesus came to this earth to serve not to be served and that's what he did I mean he gave his life and not only on the cross folks he gave his life every day of his ministry he was tired. He was hungry. He had things he wanted to do. Come on, he might have wanted to see the game every once in a while. But there's always somebody that needs prayer. Come on. Somebody needs to talk. Somebody's having relationship problems. Somebody got a few demons. Can't you just deal with the demons till the game is over? I'll deal with that, but good Lord. <laughs> no, but he had to go deal with it. And if there was times when he needed to be by himself with the Father, he had to steal away. Come on, he had to go up in the mountain where no one knew where he was, send his disciples across the river, and they thought Jesus was with them, so they all following the disciples. Meanwhile, he had to go up just so he can get a moment of prayer with the Father. Come on. But he came to serve. Are we better than Jesus? Exactly, Lois, no. Number five, we need to affirm one another's gifts and strengths. Affirm one another's gifts and strengths. Now here it is. To affirm is to validate and confirm something by making a declaration. In other words, you say it out loud. Don't just think in your mind, boy, what a gift, you know, sister so-and-so has. Say it out loud. Tell them and tell others. What a gift they have. It's a gift from God. They are blessed. They are anointed. We need to affirm them. Affirmation is a great thing, folks. The term is also used to describe the testimony or declaration of a witness in the court of law. That's an affirmation. We are to uphold each other's God-given gifts and strengths by declaring the talents and the abilities that they have. Do you realize that there are people that could absolutely soar if they just had some affirmation? Come on. There are people that have gifts and they don't think very highly of themselves. Well, guess what? Yeah, sure they should because they're blessed of God. But it's up to us who know them to affirm them and to reassure them. Listen, this gift is from God and you can do this thing. And all of a sudden, when they get that affirmation, their affirmation tank is full, they feel like they can do anything in the world. The sky is the limit. We need to affirm each other. A couple more. Number six, we need to bear one another's burdens. All right, another one of these things where we say, yeah, okay, amen, yeah, you know, we need to bear each other's burdens. Listen to it now. Bearing is this. It's picking up with your hands. This is a literal definition. Picking up with your hands. Putting it on your back and carrying it. Picking it up with your hands. The young man did this with the cross with Jesus, didn't he? You ever thought about that? ever thought about that this young man bared jesus burdens his burden come on that blows my mind maybe not you guys but no one else has ever bared the lord's burden come on The verb tense used in Galatians 6-2 is present tense, meaning Galatians 6-2 says bearing one another's burdens so to fulfill the law of Christ. And that's present tense. doesn't mean you did it one time, boom, I checked it off my bucket list, I bared somebody's burdens, I've done that. No, this is present tense. This is an ongoing thing. We have to continue to bear each other's Burdens. Romans 15.1 says, those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step up and lend a hand to those who falter. Come on. Sometimes when some people falter, we just talk about them. Instead of doing that, why don't you lend a hand and help them up? Come on. Come on. Bear their burden. And don't just do it when it's convenient. The best teaching moments, the best bearing moments come when it's not convenient for you. Come on. I don't think it was ever convenient for Jesus, but he did it. Lastly, and I don't want to say most importantly, but it's just as important, if not more than all the others, is we need to forgive one another. Come on. We need to learn how to forgive one another. Now, I want to tell you something about this this morning. At least what God shared with me, you can take it how you want. You know, you can take it or leave it. But I know God shared this with me personally about Forgiveness. Uh, another one that we talk, we say with our mouth, Yes, I forgive you. Yes, I forgive you. You know, I forgive you. And sometimes we say, I forgive you, but I won't forget it. Okay? Right? People have said that before. I forgive you, but, you know, still in my mind, I won't forget. But here's what I want to say about forgiveness. Really, forgiveness literally means to release someone of their debt. You are released. You owe me that thing, no more. Gone, released, no more. Don't even worry about it. Don't talk about it. You don't have to bring it up. It's like it never happened when you forgive. And so if you continue to remember, then have you really forgiven? You've said it with your mouth. But if you ever bring that back up to them again, you have not released it from them. You have not released them from that thing. You've not released them. Forgive means to release. Goodbye. Go away. Forgiveness is love in action. From that position, you can freely offer grace to people who have offended you or wronged you. Forgiveness is literally saying, Go away, debt. It's gone. Just as if it never was here. You bring it back up, you haven't forgiven. You bring it back up, you want to say, well, you know what? It was just that I was cut so deep, and it was that person's fault. No, if you bring it back up, you need some work on yourself because you haven't really forgiven. Come on. We need to forgive each other, folks. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Little Disney. You guys don't know Disney, so. Let it go. Come on. We need to let it go. Let go and let God. I'll tell you something else. If you don't learn how to forgive by letting go, what you're doing now is you're not hurting anyone else but yourself. Because if I tell, if I tell someone that I've forgiven them, you know they're going to go on. Okay, great. I'm forgiven. Nice. We're back. We're cool. You know I'm going about my life, that person. But if I haven't really forgiven them, who is being troubled now? It's only me. It's only me. Come on. We need to love with a perfect love. And that perfect love doesn't come from us, but it comes from the Lord. We are an imperfect people in love with a perfect God. As imperfect people, we love one another with God's perfect love. How many know they have something to work on? I don't know about you. Come on now. Only a few of us. Come on. Raise your hand this morning. You know you got something to work on with the perfect love. All right. (laughs) Hallelujah. Stand to your feet this morning. We are going to change our perspective as we dismiss here and pray and we go out today. We need to change our perspective on this love. All right? Because John told us in these verses 4 through 9, he said, look, if you continue, I said this for a reason. Because now you know. Now you have heard it. If you didn't fall asleep, you've heard You know, that you cannot continue in sin. Once you have the revelation that we have to love each other with that agape love, you have it now because God told us, right? John told us, God told us, Spirit of God told us through John that we have to love each other with an agape love. And so now you know it. Now the responsibility is on each of us to carry that out. And if you continue in sin, then you don't really know God. Come on now. So we have some work to do. We have some work to do.